right in front of him. Crowd are looking, throws it alley. Oh! Welcome to the post-NBA trade deadline, just basketball show. I'm Chris Manning. That man over there is Brennan Clean. If you haven't already, subscribe or follow, or follow us on your podcast platform of choice. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Follow us on TikTok. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. All those great places. Also want to shout out our friends at Prize Picks. Check out, use the code just gridiron. Get a little bonus over there if you want to go try out Prize Picks today. You can, all you're doing is picking against some projections on over-unders. Go try them out. Support the Just Sports family with the promo code Just Gridiron. Brendan, big active NBA trade deadline. Every team but two made a trade. Maybe the Cleveland Cavaliers and Chicago Bulls just value second round picks more than everyone else seems to. There's only one place to start, though, and that is with Kevin Durant. That's right. Slim Reaper, the god, the the NBA's best poster in terms of using Twitter. <laughs> is going to the Phoenix Suns in a mammoth trade with picks out the wazoo and Camp Johnson and Mikael Bridges going to Brooklyn. The, the, the Brooklyn Nets, RIP, the greatest team that never really was, is over officially. Congratulations to Ben Simmons, I guess, for having his own franchise. Lord knows what comes next in Brooklyn. But holy crap, Brandon. Brent, Kevin Durant is a Phoenix Sun, and we should. I want to peel back a, a little bit of a layer for the listeners here. I was up after Cavs Pistons, a basketball game that I, I don't remember anything about a day later. That was a worthwhile, not exactly a great use of my time. No. I was getting ready to go to bed. I checked Twitter. See the Woj bomb coming up. Trade happens. Start reading about it. It gets to bed much later. I text you. You don't respond. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Brennan, Brennan's probably seeing this. He's doing Locked on Suns. He's taking some notes. He's doing his diligence. None of it was happening. And instead, you were asleep. You didn't find out till the next day. So yeah. weird stuff. Weird stuff from you, Brendan. Woke up at 630 in the morning, my time. Uh, seven hours, seven and a half hours after the trade had happened. And I had a tech, many, several texts from you. I had multiple texts from... I want to say like at least 10 people um, for some reason, like, you know how that, that half awake state when you just wake up and you end up clicking things in your phone, like you'll sometimes put the alarm on sleep when you don't mean to, you'll, you're liable to do any number of things. I see the first text I see is my uncle Jeremy. So shout out to my uncle Jeremy, um, who I haven't talked to like since Thanksgiving. And he was like, how do you like the trade? That was really the way that I found out about this deal. Uh, I, I'm glad, I'm great, but uh, it, was, it was a very bizarre few minutes. And then, yes, Kevin Durant comes to the Phoenix Suns. And look, I mean, there's so many tangents and, and tentacles of this thing, but I, I think the bottom line is superstar players who ask out end up where they want to be without fail. You know, this to me was inevitable from the minute that Chris Haynes tweeted last June right before free agency hit that Kevin Durant had one team and one team only on his list. And it was the Suns. And I was a little surprised both teams wanted to do this in season. But if you read Jake Fisher, you listen to Sham Sharania, these insiders have had it since the trade happened late last night that these guys, the, the Suns and, and Durant and the Nets front office They've known this was still a possibility. It never was really ever closed off. 
and Durant seemed to leave open the possibility. And if he wanted to move again, it was always going to be Phoenix from what you've seen since. And apparently the Nets basically committed to him last summer when they put out their, their handy uh, double logo statement with the boardroom logo and the, the Nets logo and, and told us he wasn't getting moved last September. The Nets had committed back then. Hey, if, if, if you don't want to be here, if something breaks wrong this season, and in this case it was Kyrie, you know, going off the rails and, and asking to leave be, again. Be, be, being Kyrie Irving is what you're saying. Being Kyrie Irving, then we'll do it. And they did. And it was very quiet. Uh, I, I think I actually also texted you yesterday, though, Chris, when Bill Simmons said, like, the sources are sourcing or something like that. And said Katie to the Suns. And I actually think you I was did. probably right then. I think that this was kind of starting to burble yesterday. Nothing really happened. We'll talk about the Lakers stuff. That was really the only big move post Kyrie before the deadline itself, which we'll get to a lot of those deals as well. But um, it happened and they made it happen. And the Suns with their new $4 billion purchase new owner went out and, and and really ponied up to probably I mean we could we could hit on this is this the is this the favorite in the West now to win to win the championship did this deal do what they probably wanted it to do which is catapult them to the top of their conference but that is the right place to go here that's not beat around that bush Brennan for me there are two teams that I think are contenders in the West now that I have above the others it is the Phoenix Suns and it is the Denver Nuggets. You know, we'll see exactly what the Suns' rotation looks like. You know, it is different now. This team is going to play a little bit differently when you don't have Mikhail Bridges, when you don't have Cam Johnson. But you got Kevin Durant, so, like, worth it, right? Like, that is, that is worth it. But there are two teams right now that I think you look at and say, these are the two best teams that have the best chance of making the finals out of the West and the best chance of winning the title. It is Phoenix and it is Denver for me. The KD trade, to me, puts Phoenix back up there. Now... Chris Paul is now one of the most important players in the NBA over the next several months because he has to be healthy. And if Chris Paul is not a really good version of Chris Paul, then things are going to get a little dicey. But Kevin Durant plus Devin Booker plus Monty Williams, who's a great coach, plus I think enough role players. And keeping DeAndre Ayton, who didn't go in this trade, probably due to some cap rules, I think makes Phoenix one of the best two teams in the West. The way I broke it down is Denver and Phoenix are alone in tier one. I think some of that's just like deference and trust in the fact that Denver, like you can't just put a, a makeshift team, which despite the talent you just listed off is still sort of what the Suns are. You can't just throw them at the very top without question. So I think you got to at least put the nuggets have been great all year. They should be there tier two. I have the Clippers Grizzlies and Mavs tier three. I have the Pelicans and Kings. And I'm not really sure if either one of those teams are contenders for different, very different reasons, but a lot of questions for both. And then the wild card is Golden State, who we will talk about later, I think, as well. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how I break it down. Um, and we can get into what the Suns roster looks like if you want to. I thought they would make at least one more move. They end up only adding Darius Baisley, which was a, a little bit of a strange one, in my opinion, for what I thought they would need. But I think this situation for Durant is going to be a massive upgrade is kind of the next place that I that I go. The re, Part of the reason I'm so optimistic, right? Um, no Westbrook or Draymond to kind of like ruffle feathers and instigate. Like, I just think Kyrie, uh, KD is such a mellow, go-to-work-and-chill-out type of person. Um, 
AKA a stoner. I mean, we can throw that in there too, right? Helps. No Kyrie either to just detonate everything. No Harden to kind of be distant and weird and whatever. You just have guys who I think see this stuff the same way he does from Booker to Chris Paul to Monty Williams, which is like, we're going to work super hard. We're going to get this thing figured out. We're going to win, but also like, let's not take it too seriously. Right. Like, and I think that that will be a good balance for him. And I don't see a, a player outside of Aiton, which is, is a question mark considering his inconsistent commitment and, and up and down play. I just think Durant will be at peace. It makes total sense to me why he wanted to be with the Suns. And I just think that has to be factored in too, because this is such a, again, a theoretical team. This is a makeshift approach to building out a championship roster to do it three months before two and a half months before the playoffs start. But I I like it for that reason. The talent is one, the the chemistry and and just cohesiveness of the personalities is another, because that seems to have been the problem with all these KD landing spots over the past few years. Well, and, and I think on top of that, if there's any like pantheon all time historically great player that I think you could do some of this stuff with midseason and bring him into a new situation, it's Kevin Durant. We talked about this just the other day. Kevin Durant, one of the beauties to me of him, one of the things that makes him so special is that he is so flexible in what he can do and what you can ask him to be. There are times where like, obviously, like just let him cook, let him let him be KD, let him just own the world. And like, you're going to get some of that, but he can slide into different situations and like, and just be like the world's greatest, like spot up guy in in a, in an off ball guy in certain possessions. Like that's, that adds just a whole other layer to the teams now have to worry about. But like, I was the first thing that I went to when I started taking notes for the show and and writing stuff down was like, the Suns will run that little action where Booker gets the ball at the top of the key and he gets a big screen for him. If KD's the first shooter off of that. Like, you know how much more room that creates for Booker to drive to the strong side and dry and like work around a pick and get to mid-ranges, get to the rim, get fouls. Like, think about how much room that simple action is going to create for them late in games. Or you can do the opposite, have Booker as a spot-up guy, have KD run it, run some pick and rolls with them. Like, you can do all kinds of stuff because of what KD can do and how flexible he is. I also, and like, there, there we have seen teams remake themselves around certain guys, right? Like, the, the Houston Rockets in the Harden era were, were made around what Harden was. The, the, every LeBron team in recent years, specifically I think the end of the Cavs run, like got remade around him. Like the 2018 team gets blown up and refigured to be around LeBron. But this is like the opposite of all of those. It is a guy going to a new place, to a new coach. And like, I don't really have any doubts that it will work. We both were like, this is a team that can make the finals. This is a team that could win a championship this year and made this seismic of a trade. Mm-hmm. That that speaks to, I think, what Katie is more than anything else. Yeah, it's a great point, right? I mean, we've seen it like Carmelo Anthony. Some of these guys that have gotten thrown into new situations, you usually see that as, okay, you get it done now to have the leverage. You give yourself an off season to tinker with the edges. The Suns don't, don't really have the luxury of that waiting period. And I think that's part of the reason that, that it is such an interesting moment in time for them an interesting inflection point to do it now instead of waiting for the summer because there is a case to be made right that they could have looked at the west and we talked about this so much we did a breakdown of the west we've talked about the trade deadline a ton on this show and i think we we were in agreement like it could go either way these teams could think let's stand packed because who knows we could we could be the ones to do it 
We ended up seeing the opposite. A lot of the movement in this trade deadline day was the Western Conference and the Suns being the top of that. They obviously wanted to go out and seize that moment. They could have felt like, well, who knows? We we could probably win it this year. We'll see. They 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 upgraded their chances considerably with this, but it's probably true to say that, right? That the flexibility of Durant, the fact that he is so malleable, and I think the offensive fit that you just listed off is it's going to be seamless. I really do think that like, you know, I'm not going to, it's weird to compare it to the Warriors thing because just any, nothing is going to compare to the flexibility that Curry already has. I do think Booker is a player who wants to have the ball in his hands more than Steph Curry. Like I'm not going to, you know, exaggerate that, but I feel like as much as there's that offensive fit, I mean, you think Mikhail Bridges, if anybody's been paying attention, has been breaking out in a really big way the past month, two months. He's been scoring. He's had like five or six games in a row with 20 plus points. You know, sad to see him go from Phoenix for that reason, but you just slide Duran in to what you just described as maybe the ball handler in some of those sets, or you you put Durant into some of the off ball like the 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 flexibility and interchangeability is going to be off the charts. I have no worries about the offense. Defensively, I'm actually like just as in, just as intrigued. Like oh, I, okay, this 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 is a great point because Kevin Durant before he got hurt was having an all defense level season. Yeah. Yeah, I have it right here. So, Durant in dunks uh, dunks and threes, their their estimated plus minus stat defensively. I want to read you so he was at plus 1.8, 92nd percentile in the NBA this year. I want to read you some of the names that were in the same general stratosphere as he was in that statistic. Dorian Finney-Smith, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Rudy Gobert, Kawhi Leonard, Dylan Brooks, Isaac Okoro, Jaden McDaniels, these guys who we think of as stoppers, Joel Embiid, like these people, the Anthony Melton, who we think of as being, okay, they're the defensive specialists on their team. Kevin Durant was statistically just as good as them defensively, and he's maybe the best scorer in the NBA in terms of just getting a bucket on a possession-by-possession possession basis. I think he's the best four-man that DeAndre Ayton has ever played with defensively in terms of a, a, another big defensive difference maker DeAndre Ayton this team has played small they had Jay Crowder 6-6 Jay Crowder as their starting four in past seasons so I think we're in full agreement um that that this fit is going to work and that they are catapulting themselves to a much higher ceiling and probably higher floor than they ever would have had with their previous roster I think we should talk about the package though Chris too did you think the Suns would have to give up as much as they did to get him were you surprised when that Woj bomb hit were you, did you gasp at all about four first round picks unprotected, three good players, and a swap to get him? No, it's Kevin Durant under multiple years of of team control. He's Kevin yeah. Durant. There's no reason to think that he is like like he, yes, he's past thirty. I like, but like I don't have reasons to think that he's suddenly just going to decline. Like I think he's going to be good for the duration of of this contract. There's no reason to think he's not going to be. What I, Brendan, what I honestly found most interesting, and this maybe speaks to just where this player is at in terms of how teams view him right now, I, I wonder if there's another world where Ben Simmons could have gone to a third team and DeAndre Ayton goes to Brooklyn instead and, you know, the Suns go a different direction at center. And, I don't think the and, and, I don't think the Nets have wanted Ayton. Like, I, I just think, and yeah, that speaks yeah. to a bigger thing about Ayton, you know, I, I think... The Nets just that, that, they made that, that clear will be from the, the thing jump. You try to flip. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that's and th- that becomes the guy in the summer that you try to say, like, hey, does someone want this guy? Can we turn him into a center yep. and like another rotation or player another in point guard, <laughs> which is another conversation. Yeah. Right. I mean, they might yes. flip yes. for a future replacement for Chris Paul because he's not guaranteed. That speaks to why this was such an in the like they kind of had to jump on it now, you know? Mm hmm. And I think I do, though, think it speaks a little bit about where even if they didn't want him, like it didn't feel like the Ben Simmons thing, the Ben Simmons option of like him going to team three and eight and going there was ever really on the table. And I think that has to reflect someone on where Ben Simmons is at and what Ben Simmons value is around the league right now that no one wants to touch. No, what he's been negative he's value. Been awful. And he, yeah, awful. this year owed lots of money. There's there's nothing redeeming about him. I. I I'm I think we should talk about the Nets a little bit later in relation to some of these teams in the East. I kind of want to save some of where they're at and okay. what they maybe didn't do after this trade, may, or maybe we get to now. But I, I want to ask you one like kind of last thing about the Suns. Kev, Durant obviously will not play until I think after the All Star break. We we know that. Yeah. So his debut is going to take a little bit. The, the you you would know this better than me as the guy who covers this team day in and day out is isn't Phoenix. What's the what do you think the best five will be for Phoenix with Durant in tow? Yeah, well, I mean, I think you have four locked in, right? It's it's Bridges, or it's Bridges. I'm looking at the package. It's Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, and then you're looking at who's the fifth guy, right? Uh, I think right now it's going to be Torrey Craig. I just think they don't necessarily have a much better option. You know, he is somebody who I think Suns fans expected to not even be on this team, after this trade deadline, but nevertheless, here he is. He started most of the season. He's a very inconsistent shooter. He's not an amazing athletic one-on-one defender, but there he is. You have some other options, Landry Shamit, Damian Lee. I think it could be interchangeable. I think that there could be nights where it's one thing, nights where it's another. This is why, though, that Suns fans were so nervous about dealing bridges and why the, the Nets not wanting Aiton was such a big part of how this ended up unfolding. If you read what Adrian Wojnarowski wrote, if you read even last summer what the sticking points were, the reason this didn't get done last summer is the Suns were never wanting to get rid of Mikhail Bridges. He is on an amazing contract. He is a borderline like that tier right below All-Star. We talked all deadline about OG Ananobi, right? Mikhail Bridges is a more valuable player than that, and we heard how high the price was for OG Ananobi. That's why, right? Bridges would have been that fourth guy, and then you find a five, which is much easier to do. So I don't know. Maybe it's a buyout guy. Somebody like Danny Green. I think it could be that too. Mm. But uh, we'll see. I, I think there will be a lot of players on the buyout market and, and we'll have to see. I actually have one uh, to, to broaden this out a little bit because I think it, with another mega trade, Chris, uh, now in the books here, we saw the Rudy Gobert thing, which I think also is a part of why KD didn't end up getting moved last year because Gobert just kind of broke the market. Really, Tim Connolly broke the market as the guy who did the Gobert deal from the Minnesota standpoint. DeJounte Murray, Donovan Mitchell, which you've covered extensively in Cleveland. I'm very curious about what the future of this is. I think right now, the NBA is a trade and extensions league. And I think I texted you this yesterday. I just you feel did. like... I, I've, I, I've been thinking about this ever since you texted me and thinking yeah. about it in relation to what European soccer is, which I'll make that comparison when it comes back to me. Teams know right now that cap space, like post-LeBron decision, whatever player empowerment era, I think that's kind of outdated because it's not going anywhere. Calling it an era feels a little silly because it's just what it is now. But for most markets like building sustainable, like amazing teams. If you want to be a championship contender, it's you got to go through the draft, 
You got to find and develop the talent that way. You hope one of those guys becomes a superstar. Otherwise, you probably are going to have to trade multiple sub-superstar players that you draft and develop to get a superstar. I think in big markets, it's a little bit different, like the Lakers, the Knicks, the Nets, the Clippers. Maybe they don't have the same exact balance to strike. But if you just go through some of the teams that we've seen make these deals in the past couple of years now, Suns, Cavs, Hawks, Mavs, these are all like, I don't want to say small market, but not major market teams that drafted and developed talent and then cashed it in. And that's what this is now. And I think the other part of why this all is working the way that it is, is where are we with, with Gobert? Where did we just see the Nets go? The reason the mega trade like era, if we want to call it that, I think is here to stay, at least for now. I don't, I'm not smart enough to guess what's coming next, Chris, but like, I think it's here to stay because you can solve one mistake, mistaken mega trade by making another mega trade, right? Like, where are we already with Minnesota? Oh, trade towns. Get your draft picks back and rebuild around Anthony Edwards. What was it with the Nets? Okay, get rid of Harden. You get some picks, get rid of Durant, and you're back to basically even with your draft picks, which we're going to talk about with Brooklyn, like you said later. They're basically back to square one, and they have a lot to build from. We just saw this with the Jazz, right? So it's kind of funny to me how it's just that cycle is just eating itself. We're just going to see more of these because the people who already made them got to fix it. I think you are right that the free agency thing is like a little it's I'm curious to see like who the next star who like actively tests free agency will be in in what the new CBA has an impact on that like is like it's would like the whoever like the the analogy to like Durant will be like are they going to just like sign the extension and get the guarantee money I think that pre- that is kind of the precedent or the, is someone going to actually wait out into free agency. Like, and it's going to be a guy going into the third contract. So you're thinking like Luca when he gets to his third contract would be that, what could be that kind of player? Like, well, what's the what incentive is, is, to what, test free agency, right? Because you can, you can just get a super max or whatever, and then demand to go where you want to go. Exactly. Zero. Our zero. YouTube audience there's is that, not seeing your goggles, but it's zero. No, it's, I'm, I'm zero. Our and audio zero. audience like, is not seeing it. Yes, yeah, yes. it's zero. They have yes, no zero. Yes. They have no incentive yeah. to do that. No. They could just demand to it's go weird. wherever they want to go. Yeah, and teams will pay up, and that's like where I think this is this is like analogous to what happens in European soccer. It is like tra- it is transfer fees. Picks are, are transfer fees. That's what they are. You're you're sacrificing lots of useful capital in soccer. It's like actual money, but here it is draft picks, and you're saying, okay, I will get the player that I want, and I I don't have to. I you have to negotiate. Like don't don't let's not like mistake this. There's absolutely like backroom chatting about this. Like there's no way these are just done. Just like without any player knowledge or consent, like there's no way Durant is a Phoenix son if he's not like signing off on it. You know, like I just don't believe that that to be the case. I don't have like the receipts in front of me, but there's no way that Kevin Durant is like going to Phoenix without being cool with it. This is the era we're in. And I think this, this just seems like what the normal is. And I wonder what the, if the prices maybe settle down a little bit, I don't know what any player is worth anymore. Like Durant makes sense to me. But like the next guy who asks out, I don't know what that player is going to go for. Like on it, you can argue that like one of the th- only one of the three teams coming out of the summer is super happy with how that those big trades went. So that's the Cavs. You could argue the Hawks like are a little like underwhelmed by what the season has been. I think you could definitely look at the Wolves and say like this hasn't gone perfectly. Maybe not all Gobert's fault, but he hasn't been as good as you would have hoped, considering how no. much you give up for him. 
like the these things are these things carry risk and i wonder if teams start dialing back the picks a little bit and go different routes in that way and like durant is kind of maybe the exception to that because he is this guy who's going to be one of the 10 best players that has ever played basketball when he retires he's going to be he's one of the best scorers ever and he makes the team a legit title contender. There are very few players that actually can do that. Like the next player, the really good player who gets traded or wants out of whatever situation he is in, is probably not going to necessarily just tilt the title race in the same way Kevin Durant did. Yeah, there's levels to it, right? Because like you said, I mean, the price tag might have been similar for Gobert and, and, and KD, but no one was even like, no one would have mistaken that Rudy Gobert was going to just turn the the Minnesota Timberwolves into a title contender overnight. Even... Tim Connolly, who I just criticized, like even he's not going to come out and say that, right? That was a, a little bit of a, that's part of why it got, it got panned so much, but yeah, I mean, to keep your, your, your comparison going with the, with the European soccer stuff, it's like, if the picks are the transfer fees, then exactly to return to kind of why I think we are the way we are. It's like, well, you're going to sell the next player who comes along and refurbish, replenish the picks you lost, right? You're going to trade towns for a bunch of picks. If you're, if you're Minnesota, I'm not even saying that that will happen, but that's how they're probably thinking about it. Right. And then we're back to square one. We have Anthony Edwards. Who's really great. Yeah. We gave up a lot for Gobert, but whatever it is, what it is. And we'll, we'll, we'll start building a different way now. And it, it, it is kind of like funny money, fake, crazy monopoly board stuff here. But I think it's, I think it's just where we are. I, I, I people who are like, Wow, the 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 wolves broke the system and and everything needs to get back to normal. Like, I mean, sure, a player like Rudy Gobert might not go for that much, but this this exorbitant price tag is not going to change. This is what it's going to be from now on. I don't think that's going anywhere. Last last thing I want to ask you about the Suns before we move on to uh, the rest of this very busy deadline, Brendan. I I hit on this a little bit earlier. But I think the two, I think there are two players on their own pedestal as far as important X factor players in the title chase in regards to their health the next several months between now and in June. It's Chris Paul in the West and it's Chris, and it's Chris Middleton in the East. Am I wrong about that? Chris Paul's health is one thing. I, I, I think there were a lot of games earlier this season when he wasn't even playing well when he was on the court. I think that's changed yeah. lately. That's changed lately. Um, I think, you know, they've been very patient with him in terms of there's been these absences from his, uh, from the Suns where it's like, what is even hurt right now guy, you know? And so I think that they're playing it patiently. I think that is one of the benefits though, because Katie's a guy like that too, right? Um, you could, you could make the same case for his health, although we don't really think of him as that type of player. He's played like 50 or so games the past three seasons. He's on pace to do that again. Um, and I think that you will not see whatever the five I just listed off to you was, Chris, when you asked me who the best ones were going to be, I don't feel like we're going to see those five starting and finishing a lot of games between now and the playoffs that might set them up in a bad spot in the standings. Maybe it doesn't matter. Cause even if two of those guys are healthy, they're going to win. I don't know. We'll see, but they're going to have to bring Chris and Kevin, I think both along pretty slowly if they want them to both be 35 plus minutes killing teams for four rounds this spring, which obviously is the goal. Yeah, look, they are in the West is tightly compact at the current moment. Uh, they are, you know, they're in the, they're out of the playing tournament. They're not like further down like some of these other teams, but like they, they probably, I would imagine, want to make a push to maybe like if they could get up to somehow get up to two, that would be like a big win for them right now. They're fifth 
Same record as Dallas. If you could like yeah. get up and be closer to Memphis, and, and that's also going to matter for them. If you get a more fabled first-round series and maybe avoid Denver till the conference finals, that would be a really big deal for Phoenix. But I do, I do desperately want Phoenix-Denver in the playoffs. Like I, des- I desperately... Conference desperately, finals. Desperately, desperately want that. Yeah, I, the that, one thing I don't want I, in the West it, or any, I mean, I just in the playoffs in general, like I hate when it's kind of what happened last year with Milwaukee and Boston, when it's like, those were the two best teams. They just beat each other up in like the first or second round, but we all knew what it was. Sure. That kind of sucks. I, I want to see that, but I want to see it in the conference finals. So you're right. It's going to be on the Suns to get to get to uh, get to some wins here and make that happen. Because right yes. now they're sitting up to to have it be second round. All right, let's just do five minutes on the Nets. And I just want to ask you, they, they move on Jay Crowder, but they had, yeah. they kept Bridges. They kept right. They, they kept like all their other guys they had in house. They kept Dorian Finney Smith. Surprised it didn't move anybody on. I think that the move that I would make Chris with find the Nets next is to trade. Well, this summer, I mean, not right now, but I'm going to trade Nick Claxton this summer, he has one year left on his, he's on a bargain deal. He's like two years, 20 million type of contract that he signed last summer. Trade Dorian Finney-Smith, because as much as I think he's a very valuable player, I don't exactly think he's going to get a lot better than what he is. So there's no real need to keep him around and, and see what improvements he can make. And then Cam Johnson, who they just got back from the Suns, is a restricted free agent this summer. So I'm going to be looking to sign and trade that guy. I do think you probably see what Mikael Bridges can turn into. Maybe you don't trade him right away unless you get a huge offer. But again, back to the mega trade thing, right? They are in position to rebuild on the fly, rebuild in a hurry here. I mean, they don't have that one spectacular asset. But I mean, you know, you trade a 2029 unprotected Suns pick. I think that's going to probably do do some nice movement for you. I think that they're off to a good start. And they have the Ben Simmons contract too, which is pretty big, right? So obviously it doesn't have value, like we said, but you could still see a situation where they go get a better player who makes a lot and he's just sort of the salary, kind of like we saw with Russell Westbrook with the Lakers this year. Yeah, I am. I'd be curious to know what their price was on like a Royce O'Neal or a DFS to reroute him or some of these guys, because I think those are guys that could have helped other teams more immediately right now. And if I'm them, I'm kind of skewing more towards the actual full-on rebuild than I am like kind of doing like a redux of the Kenny Atkinson era. As, as like appealing as that maybe is to, to some degree, I kind of wonder if like a, a a year or you're pretty actively bad with with some of these guys kind of would have made some sense. I'm curious to see what they do next. This is they get a reset now. They got all those picks back. They obviously like they they replaced the picks they gave up to Houston, and they get to keep them from other teams out and they won't be great picks, but like they're at least picks and you can do some things with that. Curious to just see how this does kind of unfold for them over the next couple of years. They, they are one of the, they are a team and I'm interested to see how they approach the rest of the year as well. Because like, yeah, they, if they wanted to be, they could be like a really annoying, like lower, like first round playoff team for someone. But like, is like, I don't like, I mean, I mean, well, why wouldn't they be right? I mean, like other, are they going to buy anybody out? Probably not. Not really. Any of those guys are are the right type of material to be bought out. So, I mean, they're, they have to play them. I think they will be kind of frisky. I'm glad that neither you or I was taking the nerdy approach here, Chris of like, I, I, this is the type of basketball Twitter person that I think, um, I want to X like, I hope Elon bans them, I guess is what I'll say. Um, the, I'm actually really interested to see Brooklyn basketball Twitter person. Mm -hmm. Stop. Please stop. You're not interested to watch the Nets. 
The Nets aren't interested to watch the Nets. Those players won't be on the team in three months. It's not, it's not, it doesn't make you interesting to say you want to watch the Brooklyn Nets. Can, I'm sorry can, that can I, I did make, the, the, it just, come on, what are we doing? Can I make a, can, I'm going to make a prediction right now. Um, that I've, this isn't, this isn't like it all reported. This just would make a lot of sense to me. They get to June or July post draft. They will, Karis LeVert will go to Brooklyn and assign and trade of some kind. One of those wings will go back to Cleveland. Maybe it's Cam Johnson, who I think would really fit in Cleveland. Maybe it's one of those other guys. And they get the Cavs like 2024 first round pick. I think that's the kind of thing you're going to, that's the kind of business they should do in the summer. Sure. Yeah. I mean, they, they should be trading most of these players, I think, in the summer. Um, and keep, keep, keep Mikael Bridges. Unless, unless you, you get, get like away. a Korea. Yeah. Yeah. Unless like someone gives you like, like, okay, let, let's set Here's an NBA Twitter debate that I actually find interesting. Would you have given up more in a vacuum for Mikhail or OG? I would have given up more for Mikhail. Me too. I'm glad you didn't leave me high and dry on the criticizing NBA Twitter thing because um, no, it felt right. like, it felt like right. you were going to put me out like I'm just some jerk being like, I hate NBA Twitter. I think you're no, right. No, they're, I, but I think they're, they're was, not going to be fun to watch. They're no. not going to be fun to watch. Because all these guys know they're not going to be there. You know what I mean? But yes, I would pick Mikhail. Um, and I think they have, I, I really just think like if we have this conversation again on August 1st or August 9th, I guess, just to have it be a, a nice six months from now, um, this, this is going to look like an even better situation. Do you think Sean Marks is a good GM? Do you think he's, I don't, I don't, I don't cut know, out man. for this. I don't know. I, I don't know any, I don't know how to evaluate any of this. This is, this is like one of the most bonkers runs you could possibly go on. He did. Well, you mentioned the Kenny Atkinson era. He nailed that. Yeah. I mean, but then it's, Mar- and then, but Marks then you then found those guys. He got value at the end of the first round. Jared Allen, Karis LeVert and whatever eventually turns that into multiple different stars. Like I think, I think he is a guy at, with this part of the job that can do it. And I don't think he's going to get fired, but we'll see. Let's move on, though. I, I don't have much more to say about the Nets. We're going to go now to the Los Angeles Lakers, the real Lakers of Los Angeles, who, Brendan, I thought had a good deadline. Yeah. I thought they did. I, I don't totally love, like, every little thing about these moves. I think considering they, like, didn't give up both of their picks and, like, the one has a protection on it and they, so there's some insurance there. They move off a of Russ, which seemed like I think needed to happen after LeBron broke the score record there. And like I, to be clear, we should we're not even going to get to talk about LeBron and the score record today. But I would we like probably to probably do back it at the end. end. Yeah, feel, I, we can't I, we can't uh, ignore been, it. No, it's too important to to <laughs> in just general. It's for history for us to not talk about that. But I like the business they did. I think D'Lo is like not he's not great but like he is competent will make some threes that is an improvement over maybe what russ was providing you with some playmaking i think vanderbilt's going to be a solid good defender for them beasley is a shooter that's going to thrive with lebron you know mo bamba i think has improved like i i think the moves they made and with sending out russ sending out bev sending out thomas bryant who asked for a trade jta doesn't really play for them he goes out damien damien jones goes out they got better players without giving up the farm of everything just for minor improvements. They are still set up to maybe make another trade in the summer. They have you know, the inside track on maybe keeping D'Lo. You would think that like, you only get him in part because you want to keep him, and, and we'll see what that number maybe looks like and how that kind of impacts things. I don't think this makes them like 
a title contender. I don't even know where they're going to really fall in the West hierarchy, but this is a better team than it was before the deadline. And that at least makes for more competitive LeBron centric basketball down the stretch, which is really all I'm really asking for with LeBron at this point. I think they did incredible business here personally. Maybe some of that. Are you, are you a, are you a sneaky d guy? I think he is a better version of the type of player that they've been trying to get and a little bit, bit of a worse version of Kyrie Irving, right? Which just yeah. tracks with what they have thought that they've needed. And I, I like, let me put it this way, whether it was going to be Kyrie or now it's D'Angelo Russell. I like that player type much, much, much more then I like the player type that is six seven ball handler who can neither shoot nor defend at a high level who costs the minimum because we don't have any assets to get somebody better. That has been the the MO of their front office for most of the past few years is, you know, these Juan Toscano Anderson, Lonnie Walker, those types of players who are Lance Stevenson who are doing nothing to help your team, right? So I like it from that perspective. I think the other reason is the funnier and more interesting part of this trade to me, Chris, which is the fact that Danny Ainge got absolutely smoked in this trade. Ainge was making it well known around the NBA that he wanted a first round pick for one each for Mike Conley, who also went to Minnesota in this deal, Jared Vanderbilt and Malik Beasley. He got one total, and yes, it was a fairly valuable first-round pick that he ended up getting, but the Lakers also got off of Russell Westbrook, which everyone was telling us cost a first-round pick alone. So it cost them less to do what they wanted to do, and Danny Ainge got way less than he was expecting to get for his side of it. That feels like a complete W for Rob Polinka. as much as my mouth just started to come a little bit with some throw-up out of it. I can't help but hand it to him he did a really good job here i i think again yeah you're right like no are they are they winning the championship because of this trade no but was there a a move out there that was going to make us say yes to that question no so i think they did a very good job and i think like you said with russell and all the rest of these players they could be on the team next season too or they could be traded in the future so i think this this really really made them a better team and from a value standpoint they knocked it out of the park yeah, I, I think the value part of it is the way to look at it. Like maybe they're they go out for Bojan Bogdanovich again in the summer. Maybe the Kyrie thing in Dallas implodes and they go that that direction again instead of D'Lo. Like they have flexibility to do something with LeBron in the summer now. And I again, I think like this team will just be better the rest of the way. And like again, like I don't know where that's gonna take them. You look at the standings. Like this isn't a team that is you know, like sitting sixth and has a chance to jump to third. Like this is, this is the 13th ranked team yeah, in the West. We're talking about a team that this team only gets so much attention because it's for two reasons, the Lakers and they have LeBron James. That is, that is why that, that is why this team gets oxygen. That's why we're talking about them now. They're behind Oklahoma city. They're behind Utah. They're behind Portland, Golden State, Minnesota, in New Orleans to even get up in, in the in the playing race as of right now. So like they have yeah. an uphill battle. Now, do I like their odds of maybe like even though they just got smoked by the by the by the, the Thunder on LeBron's night? Yeah. Like smoke. Do I like their ch- be nice. They lost by four. 
Okay, look, that game was only got closer late because of some shenanigans, and uh, I watched Josh Giddy just absolutely put Russ in in just hell. So, Man, you Russ, know what? like this is the last time we really have to have like a deep Russ Lakers conversation. So I think we can at least the way that that man was turning the ball over as LeBron was getting, as that ticker in the right-hand corner was getting closer to zero on TNT and Russ, I think like he, he made some shots. I'm not going to overdo it. Dave McMenamin and the media certainly are overdoing it. Um, Holy, holy crap. That, that was (laughs) something. A vampire. Okay. Okay. A vampire. I don't ever even use that word in my life. And apparently Russell Westbrook is one. Um, No, but the way that he was turning the ball over and, uh, seemingly he played like a guy who he played like a guy who knew he was getting traded. Yes. And then he didn't want to check out of the game and blah, blah, blah. So that's kind of the way like that the, I look the, at the, it. The him and Darvin ham dapped up on the way out of the arena. Like thing. I was like, okay, like we're, From, we've uh, lost, we've lost. Speaking we've lost of the words that trees. haven't come out of mouths very often. And when Woj put dapped up in a tweet, I almost collapsed in my bedroom. Um, I'm imagining, imagining Woods like dapping someone up now and it's like making me giggle a little bit. Well, I mean, he's around the NBA. You got to imagine he's, he's fairly practiced, but it was a little bit hilarious to see him. Or is he a a handshake guy? I don't know. But like this team is going to probably be a playing team or maybe like, like like, that's where I imagine this is headed. And like, maybe we get Golden State Lakers in the plane and and it's just, you know, Curry and LeBron going out of the (laughs) game. And then the. Yeah. Then they play Denver in round one and get smoked. Like that feels like where this ending, but will it be more competitive now? The answer is yes. Yeah. Yeah, and I think they'll be, they'll <laughs> be more, more fun to watch. I think they can take a little bit of pressure off LeBron and AD. Not enough, in my opinion. I don't think, I think that's one of the quiet aspects of this is like, Kyrie, you could have asked less of LeBron and Davis. This trade, you're still asking for, can those guys play 35 minutes and score 30 a night for us to really win the amount of games we need to? And so from that aspect, like not a lot has changed, I think, it, it, to, to kind of agree with you. I think they got a lot better, but did their end all be all like future this season really change much? Probably no. Um, last thing, where, where do you could you have any interest in, in where Russ could go and be interesting? I don't know if he's going to help any team. Yeah. I sound like a hater, but I mean, what are, what am I supposed to feel be, feel optimistic based on? No, I mean, it. I think there are things he does that are positive, and I think he's taken, like, I do generally think he's probably taken, like, too much guff the last couple of years and has been, like, a scapegoat for certain things that are not entirely his fault. But is he, like, a title-altering, like, biomarket guy? The answer is no. Like, the Clippers would be kind of funny if he just stays in L.A. The Miami thing is kind of, like, I, I, I kind of want to see Miami just to see what that looks like. Like, I don't think he's the type of player that needs to be ripped to shreds, which is why I was kind of laughing at the lengths that the media people are going to right now to vampire. To do that to he's him. a vampire. vampire. Yeah, it's absurd. he's an Anne Rice character. Yeah, but I don't think like he turns the ball over a ton. He doesn't make threes. He doesn't play defense. Like if you're talking about a winning team, doing him being on a winning team, I'm not really sure what role he's going to play that's going to make them better. So that sucks, but it is what it is. Yes. All right, let's move on. Top of the West. Speaking of, let's talk about the good teams in the West, the teams that are actually really, really good right now. All of them, a top three teams make some moves. 
We have the, the Grizzlies getting Luke Kennard. Danny Green goes out in, that, in, in a deal. The Clippers add Eric Gordon, Bones Highland, and Mason Plumley. The Kennard goes out. Reggie Jackson goes out. Reggie Jackson on the bio market. John Wall back to Houston in a three-team deal, but it will be waived and bought out and will be available to, to, to some team, I guess. Denver Nuggets add Thomas Bryant. Bones Highland goes. Davon Reed goes. Y'all should, should add that the Warriors basically, like via like s- some yeah. rerouting of players and things, and they're bringing back Gary Payton Jr. James Wiseman is now a Detroit Piston, where they have like a bunch of centers, Jalen Duran, Isaiah Stewart. Like, there's a lot going on in in Detroit right now, and they traded five second round picks, uh, which was was a theme of the day of just second round picks going everywhere. So, five, Brandon, what yeah. what just everywhere. Brendan, so when you look at these moves, when you look at what the Clippers did, you look at what the Nuggets did, like the Warriors, like whatever, whatever move you want to hit on, do, do any of these you want to start with first as maybe being the one you feel like could be the most impactful when it comes to deadline time or it comes to, to playoff time the rest of the season time? Most impactful to me is going to be the what Memphis did getting Luke Kennard. We did a show after Kyrie got traded at the very end talking about the five everyone should want them trade deadline all-stars. And my one of the biggest ones that I felt like wasn't getting talked about enough that I had on my list was Luke Kennard because, look, this guy, just all that he does is make three-pointers. He's 6'5". He can handle the ball. Is he a great defender? No. Is he a good shooter? Yeah, he's one of the best ones in the NBA, and I trust him to make good decisions with the ball in his hands. Like, I just look at what Memphis has done where they've liked in the playoffs especially to have Tyus Jones on the court with John Morant. They have a guy in Desmond Bain with the strength and length to be a a decent, versatile defender on the wing. I feel like you could easily see Kennard be maybe not a closing player every night, but I could see lineups where Jaw, Kennard, Bain, Jaron Jackson, and Steven Adams are all out there together. And that was the biggest need they had was can they get another versatile shooter to play with their best players and make them better in the half court, especially offensively. And Kennard does all of those things. And it didn't really cost a ton for them to go get him. Danny Green wasn't going to play much on this team. And they got a better player out of it. I think that's a good shout. I I like the Kennard pickup. I don't know if it totally changes my feelings on how good Memphis could totally be in 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 the West. But I think my theme on all of these deals, Brendan, is that I don't think any of these trades are like like I don't feel like any of the teams in the East at the top of the East who we'll talk about next like made trades that I think absolutely like changed their trajectory or like the only one that really did was the Nets, and that's because they're going to take a step back to some degree, right? I don't think any of the trades that, aside from Phoenix. None of those trades are like really altering. I find the Clippers move sort of interesting because I think I think number one Gordon and Eric Gordon and Norm Powell are kind of like redundant to me. So I'm curious about what that kind of looks like. Bones Highland is like an interesting backup point guard choice, considering like they went for John Wall, who was like very much like a pass guy. They were linked to Fred. They were linked to Mike Conley. Like they were linked to these guys that were defense and passing and like kind of more game management this is like a wild card kind of factor a ton of upside obviously a very young player on off numbers in denver pretty bad matt moore shots to hp basketball on twitter had tweeted something about like his on off numbers i went and looked at them and was like oh these are he had the worst net rating on the nuggets yeah absolutely bad and like that that's a bit of a red flag to some degree but 
like you know you're betting on the upside maybe like that tells you what they think of my boy jason preston unfortunate free j hashtag free jason preston let's get him <laughs> let's get him some minutes somewhere but like and i like the mason Plumley pickup to give them an alternative to zubach who's had like some really up and down games of late they kind of and they just needed another center because moses brown was their backup and he was on a two-way deal so like had to get another center at some point and Plumby's a good, a good backup option but like those moves don't move me. The Thomas Bryant move in Denver is interesting. It gives them a backup center I like more than DeAndre Jordan. But like they they were they they got second round picks for for Bones. They don't get a wing in any way. Like they don't they don't get the wing they reportedly kind of looking for. So like I don't really know if if I feel differently about what their roster construction is. Yeah. Do you think, I, the, I think this the, is my question about the Clippers? Do you think they got anybody at this deadline who will be in there? Tell me a a, a game five must win first round playoff game against I don't even care who although I know the matchup does affect some of it do any of these players play in your opinion from who they got cuz I'm not sure in, in crunch time no I don't think so well not even crunch time I I'm wondering genuinely cuz you mentioned the overlap with Gordon and Kennard I understand Plumley is maybe the most likely but yeah if I'm looking though in the in the playoffs in in 2021 which they faced the Suns I saw them up close and personal in that in that run their backup center I understand it wasn't ideal but they made do and won good they played well won one big games with Nicholas Batum and Marcus Morris being their backup centers they go small Ty Lue wants to go small I'm not sure mm-hmm. they got anybody who affects how I feel about them in the playoffs against you know, in a must-win game against the best teams. I'm not sure any of these guys play because you can hack Plumley, you can abuse him yep. at the rim. He's just not a very special player by any means. Like, I mean, it's Mason Plumley. I, I just don't know if this affected anything outside of Highland being like a trade chip down the line. I don't know if they really or did like, much at all for me. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. I, I don't think they did anything that is like changing. This is still a team very much dependent on Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. That is where this team is at. They they maybe got some moves did some things that I like and like I I, I kind of get why they did some of the things and maybe like we'll talk about Toronto and like Toronto just doesn't do anything and maybe like they couldn't just get Fred who I think would have been a really great fit with them but the, the, this this team is kind of I feel very much the same about them even with just a little better depth maybe it's still very much the same team how do you feel about the Denver thing of this where they get Thomas Bryant I you know I think him and Zeke Naji can be like a, a good backup center pairing option I, I still just feel like they a wing would have been better. Maybe they're the Danny. Maybe they're in the Danny Green market. You know, maybe they are the in the Reggie Jackson market if they want to replace Bones as a as a backup point guard. I think both those things can make sense for them if they go that route. But what did you do? What do you make of their deadline moves? I think this Bones Highland thing is a, it's super interesting. Bones Highland apparently, according to Mike Singer at the Denver Post, he on January twenty second left the Nuggets bench a few minutes into the fourth quarter of a game. And it basically seems like it went all downhill after that point. Uh, This is kind of the expose that comes after a guy like this gets traded. He goes for a... When all the the facts that you kind of have, like all can get confirmed because they're willing to like put them out there at that point. Yeah. He gets traded for two second round picks today. And it says in this article, numerous veterans were frustrated with Highland in the aftermath of the decision to walk off the bench. Another veteran spoke about how he was displeased and understood why Bones was being shopped. And the craziest thing is it says the Nuggets tried to keep the fact that Highland was available quiet. 
but other teams had already heard about this incident and the way that he was falling out with the team. And it sounds like just no one in the NBA wanted this guy. Like it, it got so ugly that not only was Denver out on him, but the rest of the league was like, this is a toxic player. It's just crazy how quickly things changed where preseason it's like, watch out for bones Highland. Denver really has something on their hands. If, if he can play off Jokic and fit into this system to no one in the NBA wants this player. And he's going to the Clippers who don't even need him for two second round picks. That's it. It's, it's really crazy. And, and a big miss for Denver. I mean, I'm not blaming it on them, but they've done such a good job drafting and developing talent and, and keeping them and getting good value and all that stuff. This one just fell away from them. Yeah. And like, it was interesting to see the Michael Porter Jr. Comments where he pretty much like came out and defended bones and, and was very much like in support of bones, which was, you know, kind of maybe goes in contrast to maybe how the organization felt, which is, which is in itself is, I think MPJ kind of probably can relate to the, <laughs> to the things bones <laughs> is going through having been on the wrong side of Mike Malone himself in the past. I love I love Mike Bullen. He called a rage timeout the other night when they were up by like twelve, and I was like, Mike, you're my you're my kind of guy. Just getting really annoyed over like really little things. This is like my 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 grumpy. He's a very old fashioned coach in. for sure. Kind of love it, but it, I know it's not everyone's taste, but it's kind of it. Um, let's just let's end this West stuff really quick on on the Warriors. This tells you so much about what they think of James Wiseman <laughs> that they're just like, we're gonna dump him. We're gonna save a bunch of money. And we're going to bring back Gary Payton the second, and let's just try to run this band back together with him under contract for a couple of years longer. Also makes the Jordan Poole, Gary Payton the second uh, jersey swap from the other night extremely funny, considering now they're teammates again, which is like just kind of funny to me. But I think jersey swaps by like the sixth players on teams are is always pretty funny. It's a little bit silly. It's like it's cool, your friends, but like I don't know why you need the jersey. It's all right. If you could, uh, if you were going to. If you if you're like the 14th or 15th guy in an NBA team or like a two-way guy and you're trying to jersey swap with with a player who who's like a random NBA player you'd want to jersey swap with, I have two that come to mind immediately for me. Personally. I personally would want to do a jersey swap with Marcus Howard, although he's not in the NBA anymore because he went to my high school. Jalen Williams from the the Thunder also went to my high school, so I wait, guess wait, he would be which, the newest which, which replacement, one? Which, the better one, which one, the the okay. the bigger one, one with no Y, yeah. So okay. him, he'd be my answer for now because he's he's repping Perry High where Marcus Howard wasn't able to. Okay, uh, I would go Robin Lopez. Guy makes me All laugh. Right. Uh, May, did you see his tweet the other day about uh, Muppets leaving New York? Did you see this tweet? I did. I love. Robin I love Robin Lopez. Lopez. He, he up, started his career here. He's a he he's shows a, up. He's a son's lifer. He's he's a once a son, always a son. I love him. He shows up wearing like like shorts and like a Seattle Mariners hat like every day when like everyone else is like dressed like very much playing up the fashion. He's just like, I look like a guy you probably see at Trader Joe's. And I love that about Robin Lopez. He, he's like that guy in a movie or a TV show that like gets one scene in, in the pilot. And then later on, you find out like he's funding an entire operation and has like a hundred million dollar net worth and you never expected it. That's Robin Lopez. Yeah. Who's your other, who's one, your other guy? I mean, come on, it's Jason Preston at the Ohio I University. Figured. I gotta I like, I gotta get when I when I'm gonna get one Bobcat every like 15 years in the NBA. It's I gotta I gotta go out and and get it. Uh, but th- those are mine. Let's but I where is it? Well, let's just see what what how, let's just see how healthy stuff is, and then we'll see if this trade like means anything for the Warriors' title chances. Yeah, I would have preferred for them to get a shooter if they were only gonna have their one move, which is why we had talked about Olynyk or something like that. I'm not really sure if Olynyk was ever available. You kind of stopped hearing his name. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they just like. Utah likes him. That's fine. But yeah, 
I think Gary Payton, like he's he's a better version of his archetype, but it kind of felt like they were getting some of that from uh, Dante DiVincenzo this season, whereas they haven't really filled the Otto Porter slot from their championship rotation. So I would have liked them to try to fill that slot more than getting the Gary Payton slot or literally Gary Payton like they did. But look, I mean, again, it's it's going to rise and fall with Steph and, and how much their role players can kind of come together like they did last year. A lot of that is TBD. Let's see what let's see what happens with Kuminga next couple of months. He will be interesting to watch. Let's move on to the East, Brendan. Mostly pretty pad at the top. Obviously, yeah. we see some moves. You know, Boston adds Mike Muscala. The Bucks <laughs> add Jay Crowder. But in, and I think notably get rid of Abaka, George Hill, and Jordan Awara. Maybe clearing the room for some buyout guys. That would seemingly be what you're looking for there for Milwaukee if you're going to clear out a couple guys there. Philly ducks the tax. They they trade Jalen McDaniels. Thib- Matisse Thibel goes to Portland. Uh, Furkan Korkmaz, who did have a trade demand, by the way, did not get traded. So unfortunate for Furkan Korkmaz, whose trade demand just got lost to 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 the wind. And then in the otherwise in the East, Toronto adds Jakob Pertle. Thad Young gets traded. They don't make a single... OJ Ananobi doesn't get traded. Fred Van Vliet doesn't get traded. Gary Trent Jr., who is on a function on an expiring, does not get traded. Pretty kind of like interesting kind of hole. Like some moves on the edges. The Crowder thing was like signaled forever with the Bucks. Like it, it, it they've been on him for a long time. The Sixers thing, I, I like that move with McDaniels. Interesting Cleveland doesn't make any moves. We can talk about that. I kind of want to hear your take on that, but... Interesting times in the East. I feel like the biggest thing, though, is that Kevin Durant is no longer in the East, to bring this full circle. Kevin Durant is no longer in the East. Kevin Durant not being in the East means that, like, there's probably one less team competing for the top four in the East. So there are four teams in the East, I think, should be expecting to be the top four. Three of them make moves. One of them does not. We'll see who maybe ends up five. We'll see if anyone can end up pushing you know, but Miami doesn't make moves either. Like, it feels like we have a top four in the East by virtue of the Nets trading Kevin Durant away and Kyrie Irving, too, to be fair. Both of them. Yeah. Although, if they if they kept Kyrie and not Katie, I'm not sure we would feel like they were a juggernaut. Um, sure. But, like, I mean, like, but, like, I mean, it's yes, like Spencer Dinwiddie's not as good, not as good at basketball as Kyrie. And, like, that. I get your point. Just it's just funny to imagine. Um, it's just funny. I, I I guess I just don't know if Kyrie has really earned the, you know, we can't forget him comment, you know, but I get what you're saying. I think the, this is about the Raptors, right? I mean, the, the takeaway okay. from the East in the trade deadline to me was to w- what Toronto did not do and the fact that they were not sellers. And, and I think Chicago probably gets lumped in there also, although they were not as expected to be sellers. Here's the thing. So, I think with Toronto, it's like they can probably find a way to sign and trade trade Fred Van Vliet this summer, potentially, because you could imagine Van Vliet being more valuable to a winning championship team that would need to do a sign and trade rather than a team with cap space more so than a you know bad team. Why would Van Vliet need to go to a, a bad team? Gary Trent, I'm not so sure. I guess he could opt into his contract potentially. Maybe they have some feelers out that that's what they're going to do. Although he's a clutch client, they don't tend to do that. They don't tend to do the team-friendly thing. Maybe they extend Gary Trent between now and the draft. Guess that's a possibility. He's not the worst thing ever to lose. Maybe they were never going to get something big. Like This is all me trying to give them the benefit of the doubt a little bit. 
OG Ananobi can be figured out this summer or next deadline. But I guess, like, as much as I can say all of that, and I can see the reasoning, was adding Pirtle and losing in the first round again, which I think would be all of our expectation, is the benefit of that any better than what they gain from maybe some different moves down the line? Like, I just feel like at a certain point, you got to cut bait with what you got. These guys aren't going to be on your team long-term. You get rid of them, you take what you can get, and you move on. I don't know why they didn't just do what every other team would have done, and especially when you throw in adding Pirtle to the mix, who they probably want to re-sign now, it feels yes, like they got that, closer to, to being in the middle. Like, they, they reaffirmed being in the middle, which is not what any NBA team should do. Well, and it's like you get Pirtle, who is going to be free agent. You're probably going to resign him if you gave up a protected first for him. Like, that, that seemingly would be the plan. And are we even sure that he is like the right center fit with Scotty and with Pascal? Are we sure that that is like the right center next to two guys? One guy who's like an all right shooter and one guy in Scotty Barnes who is not totally like figured out how to shoot. Like, is that the right way if you're kind of pivoting to that version of your team? I, I don't totally know if I, if I buy what that looks like. If he, I like a lot. I think he's a good player. I think he would help a lot of teams. He could start at center for a lot of teams. But Siakam shooting is a 32.8% career three-point shooter on 3.1 per game. That is not his game. Barnes is under 30% this year. Okay? Like, these are not guys that are going to space around your center who doesn't shoot threes and also can't make free throws. Maybe Scotty figures it out, but it hasn't happened yet. You have, like, so, like, you're, you're cramping the spacing, and I get there's a, there's a need at center there. I just don't totally get it. And then, like, the worst case, the worst thing, Brendan, I think they could do here is just, like, run this back and, and do that. I don't, I, if they do that, then I'm even more confused by what they did here. And it seems like they had offers on the table for OG. All the reporting oh, yeah. makes it seem like there are, they had offers from the Knicks and the Grizzlies and, and teams to, and, and the Warriors had some interest. I think we'll talk about that at the end, but like, maybe they'll move on from him in the summer, but it seems like they had deals for OG right now. And I kind of, I would, I would like to know in some detail what those were before I kind of like totally just look at this weird, but it feels like maybe this was the time to do some kind of pivoting and they just kind of maybe, and maybe this doesn't matter in six months if they do do kind of what we've talked about with the sign and trade with, with these guys and OG gets flipped, but I don't, I don't totally get what what's going on there. All of that I agree with for the most part. I think it's kind of connected to what we just talked about in the West because it seems like the Clippers were the number one suitor for Van Vliet and they went a different direction. They didn't seem, Zach Lowe had it like right after the deadline on ESPN that the Clippers never seemed to want Terrence Mann to be involved. They were never offering Terrence Mann, whereas the Raptors probably wanted him. I think that's smart for the Clippers because I am a big Terrence Mann believer. I think yeah, he... Good player does things for you that Van Vliet very much does not, even though they don't necessarily have anybody that does what Van Vliet does. I think man's stuff is more valuable. If you're just saying, what do I need to get to win a championship? I think the versatile defense rim attacking everything else that man does. I, I'm, I think it's correct of them to keep him. So maybe there wasn't like a bait, a major bidding war for Van Vliet. Like we thought the Suns were apparently in on him. That obviously wasn't going to happen once they got Kevin Durant. I just think, and the, the, the offense stuff, you're totally right. I mean, I, I think defensively, that that's what this move was. It's doubling down on let's be an amazing defense in Toronto and see if we can, you know, push Boston or, or 
Milwaukee in the first round. I guess I just come down on it where the upside to making a playoff push, a lot of the time when we see teams just say, you know what, fine, like let's just go for it in the first round and see what happens. Those are the teams that are doing it for the first time. Outside of Scotty Barnes, I'm not really sure what playoff experience, quote unquote, does for the Toronto Raptors. Who's benefiting from that in a major, major way on this roster that that hasn't experienced it or is going to see something new? Like, are they just doing this so Scotty can taste four playoff games or six playoff games? Because that feels a little silly to me, too. And he already did it last year. Right. So it's not even his first time. I don't I don't know what the benefit of that is like another team might see that benefit. Cause there's a lot of franchises I would look at and say like Minnesota last year, I think that experience was incredible for Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony towns and everybody on that roster. Raptors. Mem- like Memphis, Me- Memphis before that. It's another one yeah, where I think again, really, losing really to the jazz. Them. It was a good experience, right? I don't know what that is for Toronto. Let me last thing we'll ask about this group of these. What do you just make of uh, the Cavs not doing anything? keeping Karis Levert signaling that they maybe want to resign him and, and kind of rolling with what they have. I'm not a huge Levert fan. So with that part of it, I, I don't know. I Me think either. it's good to keep as much ball handling on the roster as you can. Like if you're, if you're going to resign a type of player that maybe you still don't fully plan on keeping forever, I think a, a person who can do stuff with the ball in his hands is a good place to go. I think in general, I don't mind them staying standing pat because I just think this is their first go round. They're in no rush. They don't necessarily fully 100% know what this team is going to be at its best yet. So they didn't get that opportunity last year, right? Like we were just talking about with these teams that that get the first taste. This is kind of it for them, even though they're still going to be uh, a good high, high seed. They're, they're going to be favored in the first round, but it'll still be their first time. So I think from that perspective, I, I don't mind just kind of seeing what happens and then maybe you can have a more clear-headed evaluation. But there were just some players that I think they could have gotten for pretty cheap anyway that wouldn't have changed too much that might have helped them. So I don't know. But if it was going to cost Levert and you think that's going to be a better asset down the line on a new contract, then I don't hate it. I, I th- I'll i have more on this on Lockdown Cavs, and it's not worth like super belaboring because it's not the most interesting thing that happened today. But one of the I do think that they would be better this season if they could be able to turn Karis LeVert into like Royce O'Neal. But what was the cost? Like, was that all of the seconds they have? They can't trade a first right now. I there's information I don't think I have at least that can, that tells me maybe what is going on behind the scenes there in terms of like what was gettable for LeVert plus like a bunch of seconds or like Jetty Osmond and Dylan Winler plus a bunch of seconds. Well, and I do think- have an open roster spot. Maybe they, there's a buyout guy that they'll chase, but they're they're probably not anyone's first choice in the buyout market either. No, maybe not. But if you're offering legitimate playing time, I think that tends to there's always wildcard candidates who end up on worse teams than we think just because there's an actual role for them rather than coming in. Hey, you want to be the 11th man on the Suns? Like, no, I'm good. I actually want to play. Uh, I think the other part of it is when it comes to the Nets guys who I think a lot of the league would have wanted. I just think it's pretty hard to pivot when you not you're not sure you're going to trade Kevin Durant to suddenly you have like eight guys on your roster and you haven't had any conversations about them, you know? Like we laugh about how the deadline creates action and all these teams finally get around to making these moves the minute a deadline hits, but it's like they've been talking, right? They have they have a general idea of what's out there, but do you think the Nets had a general idea what would have been out there for like Cam Johnson? You know, no. So I think that probably affected some of these teams who 
would have been looking at Brooklyn's guys specifically, or even some of the other players around the league who we maybe thought were going to be available. Toronto not selling, like all these dominoes start to combine. And so I, I guess I don't, I don't criticize any team too, too much who didn't make a move that would have been expected to, because I do think this is still wide open and there's only so many trades that are realistically going to happen when it's human beings talking to each other about stuff. Like that sounds silly, but it's true. No, I, I think that's, that's absolutely accurate. Uh, Brandon, let's just end on some some small notes, some lingering questions, some loose ends. So, two rumors that don't materialize. Zach Levine to the Knicks, OG Ananobi to the Golden State Warriors. Either of those particularly pique your interest? I think they both, the reason I, I threw them both up there is they both feel like things that could be revisited in the future because those were both players that didn't get dealt at all. Levine... Still on the Bulls, I would be avoiding that at all costs, uh, just with his injury history and age and everything else. Five years, $200 plus million left on that contract. I think that would have been a mistake for the Knicks. OG Ananobi would have been a cheat code for the Warriors. I'm absolutely glad that that did not happen as somebody who uh, is going to make no attempt to hide his son's affiliation for the rest of time. I've done this podcast in Phoenix for years and I didn't, uh, I didn't lean in too hard into the fandom, but this year I will take that. So OG Ananobi to the Warriors would have bummed me out because that would have been an amazing fit for them. But it still could happen. Like I just said, they have the GP2 salary still. They have Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody. That's probably what the package was going to be this year. Uh, Wiseman and those other two young guys and some other stuff. So they could easily still be on the OG Ananobi list. What do you think? Did either of those feel like real to you? Likely? OG makes a lot of sense as a potential Warriors target in the summer. I agree there. I would have absolutely died laughing if Quentin Grimes would have been in a Zach Levine trade and not a Donovan Mitchell trade. It's fair. You're allowed to be a troll about that. I, I can't I can't take that from you. That is a very silly trade, me, thing that the Knicks did, me, and they deserve to be <laughs> clowned for it. Let's uh let's like trade for the worst player and give up the player we didn't give up for the better player. And also this guy has like a severe injury, severe injury concerns. Um, and that, that Levine stuff kind of popped about of nowhere. You're curious to see if he moves in the summer and then what that price will be considering the injury stuff and how much money he's owed. That, I kind of thought one, he made he sense those, for Dallas if they hadn't gone for Kyrie. Like that's one of the only teams where I was like, okay, you know, they have some versatile defensive pieces. Luca's going to be the main guy. So really you're talking about Levine as like a, killer shooter and attacker off, you know, a second side action, but that's not an option anymore. I don't know what, I, I don't know if I could find a place for Levine that I would feel really awesome about. It's just a huge risk. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't know what to do with that. That's a weird one. Um, of the buyout guys, the Bulls are I'm sad. most curious you were, the Bulls are sad. Well, did you see the, did you see this latest Lonzo Ball update? Yeah, it's, that. that's like a genuine uh, uh, So, so, yeah, for people that haven't seen this, uh, this is from Will Godley, who covers the team for, for Chicago sports. I don't know how to actually... It's CHGO. I think. Yeah. I, that just feels weird to say it that way. I don't know. But shout out to Will. Um, Arturis Karnaschervis was asked if Lonzo will return. He said, I don't know. <laughs> oh, I what, thought you were talking about if, the thing Lonzo said that I think in Billy Donovan ref, talked about it too, that it's like they don't know what's wrong. Oh, via that, but then like 20 minutes ago, 
uh, yeah. Karnaschovas doing his media and said, I don't know what's when if he will return. I'm just like, OK, yeah, like it's just you're talking about like human physical ailments at that point, right? Not even like athlete physical ailments. Like you're, you're at the point with where with ball where it's like, you know, walking is going to hurt. And that's just like, yeah, it sucks. It's utterly a, a massive bummer uh, about Lonzo, who's like a very fun player, really was important to that team when they were working out. And now he's just like broken, I guess. So that's unfortunate. Um, Let's end on this. Let's let's end on this. Where should Danny Green go? If you could pick, you could tell him where to go. Come on. Where should he go? You're, you're, it's like T-ball. You just put it on. I'm like a five-year-old did, with a that's... plastic bat, and I'm just. He should come to Phoenix, the 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 sports capital of the world this week with the Super Bowl and the Waste Management Phoenix Open and Kevin Durant all just descending upon the Valley of the Sun. He should come be the fifth starter for the Phoenix Suns and win his 58th ring or whatever Danny Green has. That would be my vote, and I will never change my mind until he ends up in, like, Lord knows where. I think, I think uh, what's his name? Reggie Jackson is playing for the Hornets is what it looks like. So these guys make weird decisions. I'm prepared for anything, but I would pick the Suns if I were him. Well, Reggie Jackson, I think, is getting... Didn't he get traded to the Hornets and is getting waived? Isn't that what's happening there? Am I oh, I think he's signing he pick- with the Hornets. I think that Shams oh had it that he's going to choose the Hornets. Okay, well, good for him. Just go play, I guess. That's that's also a weird set team. Phoenix would be a good one. It's to me, it's Phoenix or Denver. I think would really make sense for Danny Green. Go chase a ring, be a team. Go fill a need. The teams that could use a wing that could eat some shooting. I'm sure Mike Malone would like love to have that veteran presence. Danny Green off of KD would would make a ton of sense. So I, I'm in I'm in agreement with you that Phoenix would make would make a ton of sense. Curious to see just kind of what else does happen. If anyone else notable comes about, Kevin Love was kind of put out there as maybe a buyout guy. Kobe Altman did shut that down. I would have like I would have liked Kevin Love in Phoenix, to be honest with you. That would have been kind of fun. Like, so just would James Jones. They are buds. And like Kevin just like providing shooting in little spurts would, would have been would have been fun, I think. Yeah, you're right about Reggie Jackson, by the way. I, I misread that. So I'm I'm less confused about his decision now. We'll see where he ends up. But these guys do go to weird places. Uh, they sometimes will just go to like 500 teams because they want to play 20 minutes. So I don't think Danny yeah. Green will do that because he is firmly in the ring chase portion of his career. But there's always some curveballs. You think that you're creating the next uh, championship team, and then all of a sudden someone's like, nah, the Pistons. You never know. Just maybe one of these guys will just go get what like get up, take all the money the Spurs have because they're still under the floor. <laughs> yeah, and just right. take all of the money. Just, and take, just take, like take all of that money. Ten million. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, not bad work. Go get some cardio in. Hey, get get some Greg Popovich stories to to your to say. Hey, sure. I got to play for Pop. You know, sure. be, be a glorified worse. coach. Learn from the best. Pretty pretty bad place to spend three months, but you know it's fine. It's only three months. Yeah. All right, Brendan, let's end, let's end on one final thing. We ha- I want to go back to Durant and end on him because I feel like he's the most important thing that happened today by a wide, wide, and wide margin. What team does he play for now, by the way? The Phoenix Suns, the team you primarily cover. Yeah. I, I, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this, but if, if you had to say like where the Suns rank on your like confidence they'll make the finals list, either combined conferences... So like they could win the finals. Where are they in your like ranking of like contenders and your confidence go right now? Yeah, I I think let me see this. I, I kind I, of I can agreed go first with, if you while well, you think. I kind of agreed with what the the odds were 
You can go first. I kind of agreed with what the odds were when I was looking at it this morning. Uh, it felt pretty pretty right to me. Championship odds in at FanDuel, Celtics plus 260, Bucks plus 390, Suns plus 480, and then Nuggets plus 750. I don't know if I see that big of a difference between Phoenix and Denver, although if you're talking about the playoffs and everybody's on an equal footing, you probably have to because the talent's just that different. But I feel like the Suns are right there. I, I think the the West is probably a little tougher, so that's why they're behind the Celtics and Bucks. But I think that they're probably number one in the West if I'm just putting money down and saying, who do I feel the best about to win four playoff rounds? I think they are they are probably my three or my four. I would say it's like Boston is one, and then I think I have Denver two, and then I either have Phoenix three or Milwaukee three. That's where I would be right now. Those are my four, and then I would have like probably Philly five right now. Clippers are fifth at Fandle, plus 1,200. Yeah. Sixers plus 13. Yeah, a little... I don't know, man. Clippers still just give me a little, little, little bit of a uh, hesit. I'm a little hesitant. A little hesitant. It's understandable. There. I think. Uh, I think the odds tend to favor the like superstar power of each team a lot because that is, I guess, what matters when it comes to playoff time. But you got to get there first. So I, I get you on the Clippers. Interesting that Brooklyn and has the same odds as the Kings, which was disrespectful to the Sacramento Kings. But that, <laughs> it really that's, does. That's who, which. Which, okay, good. I get maybe that's just betting markets at that certain point. It's just like yeah, no, it's not fun really to bet chance. on Sacramento. It's it's definitely not going to be getting some action <laughs> hey, by the average light, fan. Light the freaking beam. That though is going to do it for this episode of the Just Basketball Show. I'm Chris Manning. That's Brendan Clean. Jam packed trade deadline show. What a time to be alive. We'll talk about LeBron in the next show. I promise. I have. I I want to talk about the legacy of LeBron James. We'll get to it then. It's. Unfortunately, the trade in line and our busy schedules kind of kept us from diving into that today. But hey, so much to talk about with Durant, so much to talk about with 28 of 30 teams making trades. It's a trades league now. Brennan's right absolutely about that. Again, follow and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Five star reviews only. Subscribe to us on YouTube, Just Basketball Fans. Just People Fans on TikTok. Just Basketball Show on Instagram. Find us on Twitter. And again, use the code Just Gridiron. Support the Just Sports family over at prize picks it's really fun peter appel shout out to peter does great stuff on twitter you can find his twitter at peter appel and you can check all this stuff up there but i'm chris that's brendan back at it early next week thanks for tuning in